Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Uh, Let me recap a little bit of where we've been and remind you of the context of Hebrews and the writer of Hebrews, who he's writing to, what was his purpose. Jewish believers who had converted, Jewish people who had converted to Jesus. And it was awesome, right? I mean, that was the most of the believers in the, the first 20 years of Christianity were mostly Jewish. They came from that background. Jesus was Jewish and he was the promised Messiah. They put their faith in the Old Testament prophecies of a Messiah that would come. And they were believing in Jesus, yet had gone through and suffered much persecution from their, from their own people, religious leaders, the Roman government. They were struggling. You ever struggled in your faith? I mean, you ever just kind of like gone through whatever it is, and we'll talk about some of those things, but that's where they are. So the writer of Hebrews is in context to the people specifically in the first century, 65 to 69 AD, who he's writing to are Jewish believers who converted to Christianity but struggling in their, in their Christianity, actually even thinking about reverting back to Judaism as a way to be made right with God rather than Jesus being the only way in which we are made right with God. Kind of a mixture of the two. So that's the context of this book. We started last week, uh, first four chapters of Hebrews, with a brilliant foundation. The writer of Hebrews, I think closely related to Paul, if not Paul, was brilliant in this writing. The book of Hebrews is so deep, and it's so filled with theological um, uh, foundations for our faith. Here's where he starts. Here's where he starts. We talked about Jesus the whole time. The first four chapters, all about Jesus. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is our sacrifice. Jesus is our... now Now remember the context. He's reminding those who had, we, most of us, I say most, I think a lot of us raised in church, we take these things for granted because we know them. We were taught in Sunday school. These are just part of our, I mean, our knowledge. We know these things. Now, remember the context. He's reminding them who were not raised like you and me, don't have 2,000 years to look back and see all the scripture and all that's going on. He's reminding them, laying the foundation, the groundwork, that Jesus is the center of it all. That would be a good song. You know that song? Anybody know that song? Center of it all, or whatever that song, whatever. All right, Jesus is supreme. Jesus, our sacrifice. Jesus, our victor. Jesus can empathize with us. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is our rest. That, that was awesome. So this is week one. Today, the case for maturity. We move into chapter five and six, where Paul says a few things, but at the end of chapter five, makes the case for maturity. What does it look like for us to walk in maturity? Now, the typical things that I would say, which are not wrong, by the way, would be, hey, you want to grow, you want to be mature, you got to read your Bible. Read your Bible, you got to pray more, you got to serve, you got to give, you got to, you know, community, you know, all those things. And those things are good. But brilliantly, again, The writer of Hebrews sticks this stuff in here, and it is mind-blowing how 
practical, challenging this is because it's not just your regular, hey, you need to, you know, read more or, or do more stuff. Listen to what, okay, we're going to get to the observations. Here's where we're going. I'm going to read end of chapter five. I'm going to give you three observations with a ton of scripture in between, a few things on the screen, phrases or sentences, and then we're going to pray. That's where we're going. And your homework again is chapter five and six this week. But let's start with chapter 5, and then I'm going to give you some observations based out of chapter 5. Here we go. There is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Cuts right to the chase, right? I mean, just kind of says, hey, calling them out, right? He's just calling them out saying, hey, I'd like to go deeper with you. But you aren't ready because you're not listening. You are dull. You're distracted. Now, this is the writer to, to, to the Hebrew believers, Jewish believers. But think about our lives. And don't raise your hands, but how, many are, how easily are we distracted? How easily do we become spiritually dull to the things of the Lord? especially since you're spiritually don't, don't seem to listen, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. But instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You were like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature. This is, here's that maturity thing. He's just saying, guys, listen, I'd like to go deeper with you, but you aren't ready because you're not listening. You're not applying what you're hearing. You're not, you're not acting on what, what you're hearing. And so now we have to just keep going over and over the basic things, the fundamental things about your faith. The milk, not, it's not that they're not powerful and important, but they're, they're the beginning. And many of us have come to salvation. We've been baptized and that's where it ended. There's no, like, if you were to be honest, there, perhaps there's no growth in your life. There's no, like, the whole thing is, hey, I'm going to heaven. I'm in. And then no growth, no maturity, no learning. Solid food is for those who are mature, through, who through training. This is, this is uh, work. It's intentional. It's consistent. Through training, they have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So out of this, okay, out of this, I'm, I want to give you three observations. And again, these are observations that I've never seen before. And how you know, you know, when you read God's Word, you're going to see things you've never seen. I don't know how many times I've read the book of Hebrews. I don't know how many times that I have um, studied, I've taught on this book. I have never seen this stuff. So I'm hoping this challenges all of us. Me too. I'm, I, I'm, I promise you, it's challenged me more than it probably challenged you. But let me give you some observations about what does it look like to be mature in our faith. Number one, maturity through suffering. You're going to love this point. Okay? But let me give you the context. Let's go back to Hebrews 5, first line that we read a minute ago. There is much more we would like to say about this. Whenever you see that in Scripture, when you're reading on your own, and you see a writer say, in view of all of this, 
or about this, always go back up to what you just read or what was before then. Maybe a few verses, maybe a few chapters, but get the context of there is much more we would like to say about this because when you first glance at, at this verse, chapter 11, or, or chapter, verse 11, this is what stands out to me. You're spiritually dull and you're not listening. And that's good, okay? We're, we, that's, for some of us, that's where we are. But I want to go deeper. I want to talk more about this, but you're not ready. What is this? Glad you asked. Let's go up in the verses. Here we go. While Jesus was here on earth, this is chapter five still, by the way, uh, seven through nine. He offered prayers and pleadings, probably this is in the garden, a reference to the garden, with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, hear this, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. There are times in which what we walk through in the challenges, the trials, the suffering of life that bring us to maturity. You've heard it said, it can make you bitter or it can make you better. You've you not heard that before? It can make you bitter, your trials, your challenges, or it can make you better. Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. Now then he goes on to say, as we just read, I'd like to talk more about this, but... And here's why he says this suffering thing, because that's what they're doing. They're getting persecuted. They're watching family members get thrown into prison or even killed for their faith, falsely accused of things. Highly, we're going to read this in, I think it's chapter 10, big time persecution. Unlike what we know, and, and I'm not saying our challenges, I'm not minimizing our challenges or our trials that, or suffering that we walk through, but they were. this is literally physically persecuted because of their faith in Jesus, okay, within their own community and within the Roman government. So when he says suffering, he speaks of maturity. We learn things when we walk through difficult times. Let me give you James 1, 2. Everybody loves this verse, right? Here's what it says. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Don't you love, don't you look at trials and every time you walk through a challenging time, you're like, yes, love it. Bring it on. No. For you know that when your faith is tested, so in other words, when you suffer, when you are challenged, when your faith is tested, your endurance, whoa, maturity level has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. How many are there? See, you're dull and you're not listening. That's why I'm teaching. No, I'm kidding. 
this was a figure of speech. It's not that we're, we're going to be perfect in every way. But here's what I think it does mean. Let's put it on the screen. What if we came to the place in our maturity that no matter what comes our way, and that's a big word, or that's a big phrase, no matter what, we wouldn't need answers. We wouldn't get bitter or disillusioned. But we would walk in health and grace. What if we, now this doesn't minimize deep hurt. This doesn't minimize um, uh, challenges or, or the difficulty of life. Because how many know life isn't fair? And many of you, many of my friends, have walked through things that are just not fair. But yet, I'm challenged by the way they've handled their suffering. I'm challenged by the way that they have used that suffering for maturity, or it caused them to mature, not get bitter. What, what, if, what if we could come to the place in our trust with God that no matter what happens, we're good. We are good. No matter what happens, we are good. A thrown in prison, we are good. I'm hung upside down or burned at the stake, we are good. Well, what if, what, what if we could come to that place? And that's where he's saying, I'd like to go deeper with this. But, but you're not ready for that. You're losing faith because you're thrown in prison or you're losing faith because you're being persecuted or going through some you know, trials or, or, or tribulations or, or challenges. But I'm telling you, I'd like to talk more about that because that's, that is what's going to bring you to a level of maturity that you've not known before. Now, I'm not saying God causes the things or the bad or the trials or the bad things, the challenge. I'm not saying he causes them, but he uses them. He used them in G, with Jesus. And if he's going to use it with Jesus, he's going to use it with us. So we can either get bitter or we can get better. Paul says it like this in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He, now, of all the people on the planet in the scripture, besides Jesus, who deserved a break, in my view, it'd be Paul. Paul did more for the kingdom to establish churches in the then-known world, outside of Jerusalem, all the way up the, the Middle East to the, to the modern-day Turkey, to Greece, to Rome, highly, uh, you know, arguably speaking, the most influential figure outside of Jesus in the whole New Testament. So if anybody deserved a little bit of, of a break, it would be Paul. Here's what he says. <clears throat> we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. In other words, I'm not, I'm not going to let the trouble so weigh me down that I just quit. I'm not, we are perplexed. In other words, question marks. We all have them, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Listen, through, everybody say it with me. That wasn't, that was, that wasn't everybody. Come on. Through, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. But this suffering isn't for Jesus. In my view, this, in other words, we, we don't say, okay, how bad can we make ourselves suffer so that he will love us or know that we're serious? That is not the issue. Let me tell you the, the, the reason why. Here's the reason why. 
All of this is for your benefit. Paul says, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I am, I am hunted down, snake bitten, thrown in prison, beaten within an inch of my life, traveling the world, sacrificing everything I have. Listen, everything I have, not taking a dime for it, making tents to make his living, to, tr to, to uh, um, pay for his uh, uh, travel expenses. Why? He says, because it's, your, it's for your benefit. And, and as God's grace meets, reaches more and more people, so in other words, my suffering is a benefit to you because I'm going through this stuff that I don't want to, who wants to go through this? Who wants to be thrown in prison? Who wants to be beaten with a rod? Somebody, somebody cuts you off in traffic. You are, whoa! Paul, this is for your benefit. I'm going through all this stuff because it reaches more and more people. It reaches more and more people. Sometimes our suffering or our challenges can be a benefit for others. Sometimes our story and the pain and the hard living that only you can describe for you. The struggle that it seems to be in your life because it's just, it's like one thing after another. That suffering can be used for the benefit of others. Let's read further on, just one more thing. One more point. I'm, I know I'm belaboring this suffering thing, but I just want you to get it. That is why we never give up. Guys, don't give up. It's, it, don't give up because something bad happens. Don't give up. And I know it's easy for me to say. Listen, these are things that, that I, need to, I, I want to learn and, and grow in as well. So this is not like, hey, I got all this handled. No, we're all growing in this together. But he says, never give up. No matter what you go through, no matter the challenge, no matter the suffering, no matter the, heart, the heartbreak, no matter the it's not fair, no matter the perplexing questions, never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small. This is perspective. Everybody look at me. Perspective. Small and won't last very long yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all. Or, or I'm sorry, vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. If we can get our focus, if we can allow a little bit of perspective to zoom out of our challenge, to zoom out of our present um, difficulty, suffering, he says, it's not going to last forever. I promise you, get your eyes focused on the things that will last forever. Use the suffering to benefit others. Use the suffering to allow maturity to develop in your life. 
I've never seen this before in this chapter. Or I've never seen it like that. The second observation, stay with me. So the second observation is maturity through teaching. Now, typically, when you spend the time to teach others, I'm going to say eight times out of ten, you get more out of it than they do. Does that make sense? So, in other words, when I prepare for these messages on the weekend, I promise you nobody gets more out of it than me. Nobody. I'm digging. I'm looking at commentaries. I'm, I'm looking at, like, okay, now what, now what did that mean? Who's he writing to? How does this affect us or apply to us? I learn more as I'm teaching than you ever will. Now, you, when you teach, so let's just say you're, you're teaching uh, children, you're teaching students in some form or fashion, leading a group, you're, you're volunteering uh, to serve as a home group leader or a class host or even a teacher. I promise you, as you prepare, as you develop your lesson, as you, you're going to learn way more than anybody else does. Eight times out of ten, maybe even ten times out of ten. Let's read the scripture, Hebrews 5. You have been believers for so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Now, their context is, you know, what, 20, 25 years, maybe some of them serving the Lord? Converted, and that would be the most, I would say. He says, you've been serving, believing in Jesus for years. Now, let's fast forward to us. How many of us have been raised in church for the most part of our lives? Now, I know not everybody, but a lot of us. You've gone through Sunday school. You've gone through CCD. You've gone through catechism or whatever your background is. You have gone through it. You have been taught. You have been believing in Jesus for years. And he says, you should be teaching others. You should... You should be teaching others. Ephesians 4, Paul says it like this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. And that builds up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be, here we go, mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children on milk. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We won't be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, here, here we go, we're going to teach each other. This is not him saying, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to speak the truth to you in love. Of course he is, but he's not there. Most of these, well, whoever the writer was, this is Paul, but to the Hebrews, hey, you're going to speak to one another. In other words, you're going to teach one another, speak the truth in love. And when you do, you're going to grow in every way more and more like Christ. The more you teach, the more you allow your gifts to be used, the more mature you're going to become. Who is the head of the body of the church? He makes, listen, he makes the whole, so, so in, this, in this maturing and in this teaching one another, the maturity or the growth happens as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. What are we getting at? What has God given you? What gift do you have that you are sitting on? 
What or how many years have you been following the Lord, but you are distracted by the cares of this world? And again, I'm talking to myself too. We're, we're, we're learning and growing in this. But he says, guys, you've been serving the Lord for years. You should be teaching, pouring. He's, when Paul says, each one does his own special work, what work are you doing? Now, I know a lot of you are special, right? What work, special work, are you pouring into others? Because when you do, you grow. When you don't, you become dull and spiritually insensitive. So what is it that he's called you to do? Now, not everybody's called to teach in the, in the formal sense of teaching, okay? And some of you think you are, you're not, okay? You know what I'm saying? It's like somebody who thinks they're called to sing and maybe you're not. Now, you can sing out there. That's why, that's why our music is so loud because some of you don't have that gift. And, and, and the neighbors, we're just trying to be considerate. But... Many, many times we want to be up here, but that's not what God's called you to do. But what, this teaching thing, don't use it in the literal sense as in you've got to speak all the time. But what is it that you're pouring into your kids? Teaching them. What is it that you're pouring into others? Whether, whatever that looks like, what special work are you contributing to the body of Christ so that not only will they grow, you will grow. Let me put on the screen like this. No brainer, but let me just put it on there anyway. The more we teach and encourage others in Christ, the more spiritually mature we become. The more you're lazy, the less spiritually mature. Mr. Martinez, I was a drummer in high school, played percussion, played the snare drum. And all my life, I took guitar lessons when I was starting with four or five years old. So I had, a, I had an inclination, I'm not that great, but, but I had an inclination, an ear for music. Started playing the drums in fifth grade. Uh, I had a natural thing for, I, but I, anyway, so he comes to me, uh, I think it's my junior year, and he, and he says, John, man, dude, you are so talented, but you're lazy. And he was right. How many know this? I didn't want to practice, right? I did not want to, you know, you know I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to play. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to date. <laughs> Those things that are very important. I didn't want to practice. And he says, you, dude, you are so naturally gifted, but you are lazy. I've never forgotten that conversation. It was a private one. He didn't do it in front of everybody. It was a private one. Let me have a private conversation with you in front of everybody. <laughs> what gift have you been given? And you're lazy. I don't mean that in a, in a beat you up sort of way. I'm just saying, as, as the writer of Hebrews is saying, I'm saying, hey, you have been serving the Lord a long time. You should be teaching don't get lazy. Don't look at somebody else to do it. You step up. 
not just for them or for, this is not a, a, a volunteer recruitment. This is for you, right? This is for us. When we teach, pour into, we grow and mature. Third observation, third observation. How many still with me? Maturity through solid spiritual food. Now this is the no-brainer one. This is like, okay, now you're getting to it. But, but seriously, you, you, you and I both need to get off the bottle and into spiritual food. My grandson, Milo, who's six months old, all he does is drink milk. That's all he does. Well, he poops too. <laughs> but he will eventually need to start eating a little bit of whatever the babies eat, rice type stuff or baby food. And then he, gets, he graduates to chicken nuggets, right? Or, you know, the healthy food around our house, which we do. Same with us. Let me read. Let's go. Hebrews chapter 5. You have been delivered so long now, you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need to be taught, or you need someone to teach you, again, the basic things about God's Word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Milo does not know the difference between right and wrong. He's very brilliant. He's intelligent. He's in the gifted of his class. He doesn't have a class, but in my view, he's gifted. But he doesn't know the difference. And here's what we're doing, guys. And you know I love you. But many of us, every weekend, we're like. <laughs> right? Whoever's teaching up here, like, eh, here's the bottle. Here's the bottle. And we're. <laughs> I know that's stupid, but. Is it true? Is it true? Many of us are on the bottle. Chapter 6. So, chapter 5, that's the way it ends. And then he, goes, and he says this in chapter 6, verse 1. So let us stop going over the basic teaching, the milk. Not that the milk's not important. Milk is the foundation. Milk is, hey, Jesus, supreme, greater, sacrifice, our rest. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding the things that I would like to say more to you that you can't handle right now because you're spiritually dull and insensitive. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instructions about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. Now, when you read chapters 7 through the, the end of the book, 13, holy cow, he goes into, okay, let me get to the meat here. But he's preparing them. He's preparing them. Second Peter, the, the Apostle Peter in, in chapter, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 says it like this. In view of all this, now, so when you, when you see this, make sure you go up to the other verses. And in view, with the view I'm not going to go up to the other verses, but in view of all this is meaning the promises of God. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with, and, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. 
the more you grow like this, this and I'm going to just say it. See, this is how you can love a member of the opposite party politically. This is how you can respect and be kind to someone that you fully and completely disagree with. Because you are adding to the the foundation, the fundamental, the promises of God, you're adding to your faith things, solid food. And that solid food grows you past the temporary political climate, the temporary uh, uh, racial climate, the temporary uh, health climate, world stuff, moves you past those things. Not that they're not important. Please don't, 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 don't misunderstand me. Not that they're not important. But the more you grow like this, the more useful and productive you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, this is solid food. Hebrews 4.12 Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged, double-edged sword. It pictures the heart, uh, the, the, the soul and the spirit, and it, and it, put that on the screen. Oh, there it is. Between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts. See, this is solid food. So when you're reading, don't just, don't just don't come on the weekend, and that's all you get, because it's a going, and I'm not saying I'm, hey, listen, very deep teaching here at Hope. Very deep. Very good. Phenomenal. But if this is all you're getting, if, if it's all you're getting, you're, you're shortchanging yourself. Maturity. Some solid, solid food that you dig out of the Word. Let me put it on the screen like this. The more we apply ourselves to God's Word and God's ways, the more mature we become. Bottom line. So let me ask you a question. What food are you eating? Let me ask you another. What food are we, we eating? Are we, are, are, are we listening more to the news of our age and the internet and the stuff Or are we eating solid food that transcends the temporary? This is, he calls them out. He calls them out and he says, guys, I'd love to talk more about this, but you can't handle it because you're not listening. You are distracted. You are complacent. You are um, Compromising, you know, whatever I'm adding to this, but I'm just saying is that the intent of it is I'd like to go deeper, but you're not ready because you're dull and insensitive. And he's not, again, he's calling them out, but he's doing it in love because he wants them to grow. He says, guys, listen, the suffering that you've gone through can be to a great benefit for you and others. So don't get bitter, get better. When you teach others and you use the gifts that God has given you and you, and you don't just get lazy with that, 
you and I grow. When we dig into the Word in solid food, transcending anything that this world has to offer, but we're eating solid food, solid, spiritual. What does Jesus want? What does the kingdom of God want? What is, what is my purpose and how am I living that out so that I can be the light to the world? We're not doing any of this to be accepted by God. We are accepted by God because of what Jesus did on the cross, period. So none of this work and none of this adding to our faith, moral excellence and moral excellence, godliness and godliness, brotherly love. No, no, no. We're not doing that to get accepted. We're already accepted. That's the good news of the gospel. But the reason we grow, the reason we mature, the reason we teach is so that we can be the light of the world. So that they can see, Matthew 5, so they can see our good works and glorify God in heaven. Our lives transcends the temporary challenges that we're facing or that we're walking through. And as of all the people on the planet who should be, again, I've said this a hundred times, walking in peace, walking in love, walking in joy, walking in kindness, because our, our lives transcends this stuff. We are not of this world. So here's my challenge. As you read Hebrews 5 and 6, what is the next step you need to take? What is the next step? Do you need to, do you need to um, put on different glasses to look at your suffering a different way? The challenges, the unfair things of life, do you need, do you need to look at that a little bit differently? Do you need to look at the gifts that God has given you and ask, and please understand my heart on this, but what is it that you're doing here at Hope to add to what Jesus is doing to fit us all together? What are you doing? And again, I don't say that for my benefit or our hopes, but I say that for you. But for many of us, we have been serving, I mean, we've been uh, 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 serving the Lord for years, but we have become dull and lazy. Many of us in our spiritual formation, we're not eating solid food. We're, we're listening more to what the world is saying than what God is saying. And it's not solid. It's temporary. So what is the next step? Now, for some of us, the next step some of us, you've never accepted the whole Hebrews 1 through 4 thing. You've never accepted Jesus. He's the beginning and the end of everything. He's, he's what brings us into the kingdom, into forgiveness and reconciliation with our Creator, our Father. And maybe that next step for you is surrendering your doubts, your compassion, the perplexing of life, you're surrendering that and saying, God, I don't have to figure it all out. I don't have to have all the answers. Here's what I do know. I believe outside of Scripture, the historical evidence of Jesus the Messiah in the first century 
and I'm going to put my faith in that. I'm going to let everything else fall. I'm going to let everything else work itself out. And maybe that's your next step. You need to surrender. Kneel, confess that Jesus is Lord. Maybe your next step is you need to seriously consider what it is that God is saying to you about your next step in maturity. God, <clears throat> you challenge us. It's always because you've something for us, not because you're trying to hide something from us, withhold something from us, but you're, you're all, you've always got something for us. But many of us have become dull and not listening. And today, by the, the power of Scripture, you're calling us out. This world is not our home. So may we reconsider the food we're eating. May we reconsider the gifts that you have given. And may we reconsider the challenges and the trials of many kinds that we have walked through or will continue to walk through. And may we use those, all of them, for maturity. May your kingdom come, your will be done in our lives right here, right now, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.